Welcome to Audible Brutality. Two grouchy musicians humorously complaining about the state of music today. Featuring Adam Percy and Tim Vandevan. Take it away, Adam and Tim. Hey, Adam. What's going on, buddy boy? Hey, Tim. How's it going, buddy? I'm good. Hey, hey, hey. So we're ethnic stereotypes today. Cool. Hey. <laughs> yeah. So... I said oh, faith and begotter. I'm great. Thanks very much. There you go. Yes, lucky charms and everything. So <laughs> hey, I think so, that, that went from from Irish to Scottish. Yeah, <laughs> that's bad. Those are the um, only those are the only accents you have. It's okay. The only one I can really do with any convincing ability is is French. So it's all right. But yeah, <laughs> how convenient. Yeah, how convenient, uh, <laughs> especially where I live. Who knew? Right. <laughs> it helps in Quebec to speak French. So <laughs> a little bit. Just a little bit, so impa, impa. Um, so hey, so we're you know I, apparently I you received a package I sent you I sent you some uh, a delicious piece of gear yeah and, you uh, did there's Thank apparently you, a little blue fella inside there too so that's kind of yeah. cool Tim's studio is called Blue Pumpkin and he's got these cute little squishy hand thingies I don't know I don't know if they're like tension squishies or if they're just cute little rubber things but they're these little blue pumpkins. And he's rather kooky and cool looking, and he's and now looking now, at me. <laughs> now one of them lives out on Denman with you. That's right. It's like those things that people send out, uh, you know, like they basically send it out around the world, and then like one person hands it on in Hawaii, and then it goes to there Fiji, go. and then it goes to Australia, and everybody's taking pictures with the weird little blue pumpkin. Well, there you go. Well, this guy is your studio pumpkin to live in your studio. And, you know, because we do the oblique strategies thing on here, which we won't do right away, but we'll do it a bit later. But yeah, we'll do that later. This is kind of like uh, uh, I w- for Adam, he can look at the pumpkin when he's stuck on something and go, what would Tim do? What? Hmm. You know, hmm. and then, you know, what next happens? Because sometimes Tim has a short temper. Adam is found downstairs getting a can of gasoline and he's pouring it all over his studio. So (laughs) (laughs) tell me you've never done that, man. I'm a little worried now. (laughs) Well, I didn't, I didn't say he was a benevolent pumpkin, did I? So (laughs) he's, he's, he looks benevolent, but inside he's pure evil. That's it. I sent you the evil one, (laughs) (laughs) the evil twin. I have to, I have to put him in the attic and feed him. Nice. Yeah. 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 Please don't uh, feed him after midnight. So and to keep him dry. Yeah, exactly. Nice. <laughs> hey, Good so time. what, pray tell, are we going to tackle today? He asked well, as, knowingly. He asked knowingly uh, <laughs> as he looks at his notes that outline exactly what we're <laughs> going to talk about today. Uh, well, we have a few things that I think we were planning on talking about, as we normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I think we were just going to sort of start off with is this. Well, now that we live in the age of information and information technology and everybody's got a fucking phone and Wikipedia and all of a sudden everybody's an armchair YouTube asshole. Right. Um, And, you know, 
we're probably armchair YouTube assholes too because we're doing a podcast talking about a specific topic. If you think we are, then fine, tell us and we'll probably just nod in agreement. But I think the world of recording and music and how to do music is not immune to this particularly modern phenomenon. <laughs> no, People no. who really think they're the be all and end all to how you're supposed to do things and it has to be exactly this way and and they don't know what they're talking about and this whole thing about the inter well there there are the trolls obviously and you have nothing you can't do anything about the trolls for the most part but the more that the youtube instant expert slash asshole slash internet guy these are the guys that that come on and listen and go you know that song would have been better if you'd used an actual Moog and not a Behringer knockoff, or I don't know, man, you really thought that you should be the singer, you know, things, things like that. And we're all for constructive criticism, but we talk with them. And when they talk with us, they don't come back and go, seriously, you think that was a fucking good song? What's wrong with you? They would listen to our (laughs) song and they would say something along the lines of, it's not my thing. I, this isn't working for me, but, Maybe I'm wrong. You know, there, there's a, there's a, there's a modicum yeah. of humility mixed in with whatever advice they have, such as, okay, do you really think the drums should be pushed that far forward in the song, or what's that noise that's happening? That thing that's happening constantly. I think it's happening a bit too much. You yeah, know, it's kind of irritating me. Or right. yeah, like, but it would be yeah. constructive. It wouldn't be like seriously. You think you're a musician? just quit and go cut lawns you know you're yeah this this is and this falls into also the instant expert category where the instant expert is telling you well i wouldn't have done it like that because i make better decisions than you and you know i got my gear last week i set up my studio last week i've read everything on gear sluts and every other forum i'm good to go i'm booking clients i know more than you Yeah. Well, and you know, good for them that they're booking clients, you know, (laughs) but I going back to, I think originally sort of what you were talking about. And to be fair, there are actually, there is actually an awful lot of really good resource online. So Mm -hmm. again, we're not necessarily shitting on, you know, whether you should be online looking up, you know, how to do things. There's actually a lot of, uh, a lot of DAW companies that have really great instructional videos on how to do stuff and how to use their hardware or how to use their software or whatever. There's a, there is a lot of good resource out there, but I think once you kind of get into it and it's probably a bit more of a problem now that technology has now democratized musicians in general. Everyone now is a musician. Everyone is now a musician who has access to audience worldwide. And unfortunately some people just want to shit on their parade and okay. So they didn't use a Moog. They just use software you know, or, or sometimes it goes in the opposite direction. You know, sometimes people are just like, why would you waste your time doing it this way? Why would you waste your time? Ugh, you know, ooh, uh, Moogs go out of tune. Yeah. <laughs> old, old hardware goes out of tune. Why would you waste your time with that? You yeah. know, I can totally hear that, you know, or actually what always drives me nuts is people who say that, oh, I can hear your converters. Oh, <laughs> that, that drives me, that drives me <laughs> up the wall. No, you can't. No, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. No, you can't. Yeah, now you're now you're just fucking 
picking flecks of poo out of your ass. Like, fuck off. Like, Actually, it's worse than that. You're picking the corn out of your poo to say, well, maybe we can use this again later. You know, like, yeah. in defense of online stuff, there is a lot of wheat. There's an awful lot of chaff. And it's, yeah. it, it's a matter of separating... <laughs> The wheat from the chaff. So you hear, you know, so you post a song. And I, I remember I did this years ago on Gear Sluts where I would post, you know, everyone's like, post a picture of your studio. And so I posted a picture of my 12 pieces of gear or whatever with my little board and blah, blah, blah. And all I heard was like, Elisus? Ew. Uh, Behringer? Ew. Uh, <laughs> Art? Ew. You know, and then another thread says, post a song that you've done in your studio. So I posted a song that I had done with my friend Jennifer Johnson. And everybody was like, no way, no way. That sounds great. There's no way you did that at home. And I'm like, I totally did this at home. I did this yeah. at home with very limited gear. It, it, we, we discussed this before. I would love to have nothing but Neve consoles and Neumann microphones coming out of my ears with the best gear on the planet. But I'm afraid I'm not a millionaire. So I have to find gear that works for me that I can learn and use. And a lot of the instant expert guys just they love to throw the name brands around like, oh, so you're yeah. So you're using an art MPA. You should be using a lexicon. You should be using a uh you shouldn't be using a, a preamp at all. You should be using a better board. You should be using this. Yeah. You should be it's like the guys when I used when I would play shows with an 18 inch bass drum and I'd hear guys like Tommy Lee has the bigger uh, floor tom than you have bass drum. And I'd say to them, hey, do you want to be my roadie? I don't pay. I'll happily get a 26 inch <laughs> kick. I'll get a 26 inch kick with a 16 inch rack tom to start. I said, if you want to lug my gear around, I said, because as it stands right now, I can't do it. Fuckheads who comment like that to begin with. Are, are have have already decided that what you're using is not going to sound good. They've already yeah. made up their mind. They haven't heard a single fucking kick note mm-hmm. out of that instrument. Yep. And they've already decided that's the case. None of the none of those guys on Gear Sluts who were poo-pooing Elisa's ever fucking touched one or ever used yep. one. So unless you've used it. <laughs> Yeah. And have really used your critical ears and critical listening and tried to make it work. Fuck off. <laughs> Just fuck off. <laughs> the, the acid test EP that you and I were part of, you mixed that through your Digio 2. Yeah. No, your I studio, love Digio Your studio that you're sitting in right now. There's no, nobody, no one came back like, you know, as, as the vinyl was being cut, I didn't hear from the, the mastering engineer. Oh my God, I can totally hear the digi all over this. Oh, well, you know, an interesting sort of point on like on that recording is, is we did actually go into a studio studio, quote unquote, to record that the studio had a, an an SSL that barely fit in the room. Yeah, I think it was like um, 48 channel, I think, right? Oh, it was more than that. It was ridiculous. 90-something oh, channels of, of SSL. And and it was almost touching the ends of the room on either side. <laughs> it's, this, it's this huge fucking thing. And everything was recorded to Pro Tools. Yeah. Everything. And if we had actually mixed it in that studio, chances are we wouldn't have actually used the SSL to do that. We yeah. really used the SSL as for pre- compression eq stuff Mm -hmm. like that just to sort of put a little bit of run it through some nice circuits but what's 
even fucking more hilarious about that is I remember our engineer at one point just furiously tapping the fucking on off switch on one of the channels because the channel was breaking up because that board as expensive as it is requires a team to maintain it Mm -hmm. and it hadn't been maintained. So whoop-de-fucking-do, it's an SSL that <laughs> doesn't work half the time. Like, you know, come on, give me a break. Luckily for us, it was just the hi-hat channel, you know, like who records hi-hat yeah. anyway, but... Oh, yeah, I remember Johnny being like, oh, I'm sorry, I, I think we fucked up the hi-hat channel, and I'm like, can you just mute the channel and we'll listen back? And I listen back, and I'm like, it's there, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And the, snare ch- the snare mic is picking it up just fine, like I'm not worried about it. <laughs> I think that I think that was on the song "Slip Slipping Away," which was the fi- the version that you used because we did the usual thing where you do a version, you do a second version, then the third version is yeah. is you just sort of giving her, as they say, as 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 Ontarians are wont to say, you're just giving her, eat, giving her, just fucking giving her. So, and I remember after that take, it was a blazing take. I remember you chuckling. I you know I, I da, 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 song ends, and then I hear. You come on the talk back and you're laughing. You're like, dude, oh my fuck, get in here. You know, like you're just <laughs> laughing. And Johnny had that look of horror on his face, like one of the tracks didn't record. I know. He felt so bad. I'm like, which one? <laughs> Hi hat. Who cares? Mute yeah. it. <laughs> Fortunately, it wasn't the snare or the kick channel. It was it's basically I don't even think we were gonna use it anyway, but it was just sort of like, ah, the mic's there. But it's one of those court. nice to haves, but yeah, <laughs> nice to have, but I'm not super worried about it. Like instant experts, right? I've deferred to guys and I found guys on gear sluts again, not slamming gear sluts, but there are a few professionals that are on there. And you know, if a pro comes to me and says, you know, there's, they're not going to come to me and say, I can hear your converters. They're never going to say that they're going to come to you and say, maybe if you can afford better converters, it's not a bad investment. Yeah. I I had it at one point where, um, a a guy who works with, uh, Cindy Lauper actually, and I've, he's friends of mine with me on Facebook. I know him virtually through another guy that I worked with. And he came to me and said, look, if your gear allows you to go to 48, at the very least, go to 48. You know, stop dicking around with 44.1. He said, it's not that much bigger. It's it's not that much more taxing. You might notice a difference. And when I switched to 48, you know, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't bias. It wasn't that, oh, well, because he said it, I heard it. Yeah. I started noticing just a, a snooch of headroom. It's like, oh, all of a sudden, things are opening up just a, just a bit. Yeah. So I was like, okay, 48 is good. And uh, in talking to you, because you and I work a lot together remotely, um, you work in 48 because of the your gear limitations as well. I was going to say 48 is is still pretty much the standard. I mean, unless you're doing something like the Star Wars film score or, mm. <laughs> you know, for the most part, I think every studio that I've been in recently generally doesn't go above 48, 24. Just, yeah. it isn't a thing. Like, like you said, it doesn't take up a whole lot of space, but it does give a little bit more information. Converters punch in a little bit more data. You know, it's, it's funny too, that like, you know, you sort of mentioned the subtle changes. And I think this is something mm. that kind of comes with with using your fucking ears which we have said repeatedly on this show yes is that 
when you start really listening to what you're recording and the gear that you use, you do actually sort of notice subtle differences when you go out and finally get your invest in a preamp or something. And it's like you said, it's never it's never usually something that's a really drastic difference. And, and to be honest, most people listening to your music or anything that you record will not know the difference. But well, that's it. you yourself sort of go, oh. My studio recently invested in a pretty nice tube preamp, two-channel tube preamp, uh, handmade by a company actually in Newfoundland, Canada, but a company called Traverse Analog. And this thing is nothing but subtle. And it's just enough to slightly elevate my mixes a bit more. And that, to me, is worth it, right? Like, that's... Mm -hmm. but. When I think about, again, like, you know, when this goes out in the world, when somebody goes out and hears the song, no one is sitting there going like, oh, he must have used a really expensive tube pre on that vocal track. Nobody gives a shit. That's <laughs> Nobody it. Nobody cares. Like, does it sound clear and clean? Yeah. Does it as, sound as good? As an engineer, you're paying, you're paying more attention to these kinds of things. As a producer engineer, you're paying more, yeah. more attention to the subtle things. And I get that. But saying you hear the converter is a flat-out fucking lie. What that means is you're hearing a mix that you don't like or you're looking at the guy's fucking rack and hearing what you're seeing. Well, that's it. It <laughs> and, could be like we we did an episode on, on this a while ago of listening with your eyes. Right. And yeah. <clears throat> if you're listening with your eyes, it doesn't work. And when... And to your point about this piece of kit that you just got, that you're hearing differences, that things are a little, it's actually that it's made your workflow easier. Right. That's exactly. the thing is that, so maybe your Behringer priest sounds really good up until 12 o'clock. And as soon as you turn that button just a bit beyond, oh, 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 nope, nope. We're not in the safe zone anymore. When I got ribbon mics years ago, and they're bottom of the line cheapies, they're Apex 205s. I got a pair of them for like a song. Yeah. And I remember that I had a lot of trouble getting good gain out of them. And then I was told by a store, like a music store that no longer exists in Montreal, to try the Art MPA 2. And so I bought it, plugged them in straight off the, like right out of the box. Well, it's a lot of Chinese components, but there were Chinese tubes. And tubes were not a big thing in 2006. They were hard to find, you know. Anyway, so we, even with the Chinese tubes, and it was like, oh, wow. All of a sudden, I've got the gain I want, you know. Right. But again... I ran into a wall where there were some headroom issues where I wanted just a bit more, but I wasn't getting it. The tubes became noisy. So I spoke with a guy, and again on Gear Sluts, a guy on, on Gear Sluts who said, I sell tubes, I match old tubes. You know, what you're looking for is something like this, and here's my price. And I'm like, all right, let's give it a go. Let's see if this works. Let's see if this is dancing about architecture, right? right. <laughs> so... I go and I, I get these tubes and changing them is a piece of cake, you know, open up the tube compartment where the tube compartment is. There's a little uh, spring release. So I pop them in, turn the thing on. And he says, I recommend just letting it, just leave it turned on for a day, you know, just yeah, let them let burn them in a bit, you know, I burn them in, start using them all of a sudden, again, like what you noticed, Hey, my workflow got easier. Why? Because I can turn the gain up on these things and yep. they don't, they don't break up as easily. There's still a lot more room to go. There's a lot more there, you know, and everyone talks about warmth, 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 especially the instant experts. For me, I started noticing this is making a difference to me and it's making a big difference. Sure. So 
A little while later, another an MPA Gold came up, which is the original uh, MPA by Art. Couple tubes from the same guy. Like, okay, let's look for something a little different, you know. And we're not talking different. Like uh, this set of tubes sounds so different from that. It's just that they're gonna maybe maybe the color is slightly the something that I would hear. My mom would listen to the recording and go. That's nice. I'd be like, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you hear the British tubes? And her eyes glaze over and she stops caring yeah. and changes the subject. <laughs> My with, mom is the same, yeah. With reason. Who yeah. cares? Nobody right? outside of engineers and producers care about that shit. Now, this, now this is not just dancing about architecture. This is a complete ballet about architecture. Yeah, so, Absolutely. Gonna say for me that I'll just finish my, you know, my rambling, bambling thought here. It simply is, is that it's all about making your workflow easier. Yes. Getting the result you're looking for a little bit quicker. Um, and then being able to copy and duplicate that result later on down the road. So I get a great drum sound for Adam today, and Adam says, dude, that sound, holy exactly. shit. How did you do that? You might ask me how I did that, and your eyes might not glaze over, and you might not be stabbing yourself in the face with a pair of scissors because you're genuinely interested in how I did it because you too are an audio engineer. But at the same time, I want to be able to do it again because if you say, remember when I gave you that song XYZ and you got that crazy drum sound? Yeah. Can you get it on this one too? Yeah. Whether you drop three grand on a traverse analog 652 pre or behringer 88 8000 converter for you know a couple hundred bucks yeah <laughs> every piece of kit has a limitation yes a lot of what you are investing in i think with maybe more high-end gear is a reduction of limitation yes right that's what you that's all you're doing right but as almost unlimited as, you know, a nice high-end pre is, there there are limits. There's only a certain amount of distance these things will go for you. I think if you're using lower-end kit. Or prosumer. Yeah, the, the prosumer kind of stuff. The real secret is to know the limit. It's kind of like you said, Tim, where it's sort of like, yeah, you know, like once I move that knob past 10 o'clock or 12 o'clock, things start to break up and it just doesn't work for me. But it gives me eight channels of drums and I can actually make it sound good with everything rolled to 11, 11 o'clock, <laughs> not to 11 spinal tap joke, but you know, <laughs> I can get everything kind of working. I can get everything kind of working pretty good at this point, right about here. And I accept the limitations of this equipment, but I can make it work. That's all you're doing. It's a tool. You're making it work. You know, I always find it uh, interesting too. Uh, the, the this is sort of the opposite of kind of what we're talking about. People shitting on cheap shit, but the company Behringer, speaking of Behringer, has has actually come out with a line of inexpensive knockoff vintage synthesizers. Like the first one they came out with was the the Model D. Uh, it's a sort of you know rack space size unit that uh, the panel essentially looks like the panel of a mini Moog. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's actually analog circuitry. It's not actually digital. You know, the internet basically blew up when this thing came out, at, at least from synthesizer nerd perspective, the internet exploded because all of a sudden it's like, wow, pretty much like a model D 
but smaller, more portable. It actually has like all of these extra little options that let you integrate that really easily into modular synthesis. Mm -hmm. It's got MIDI, it's got USB, it stays in fucking tune and it's $500. (laughs) (laughs) So do I like supporting handcrafted American made synthesizer companies in the United States? Fuck yeah. I don't have that room on my credit card right now. And the Model D suits me just fine. And people actually now are full on like on board with Behringer now simply because they're coming out with their knockoff of the the, the Sequential Circuits Pro 1, the Wasp. They've got the Model D. They actually made a Model D that's polyphonic. So it's kind of like this fucked up miniature version of a polymoog. It's <laughs> they're killing it. They're totally killing the market right now. They're even making these cheap little modular units now, like a Roland System 100M. So if you want to get into, uh, you know, modular synthesis now, you do not have to drop several thousand dollars on your mom's credit card <laughs> or go <laughs> to, to, to get into that, man, or, or you know, look at eBay and, and cry yourself to fucking sleep because everything is $5,000 because everyone and their dog wants that piece of kit. For sure. It's so rare. And so just go get this one. Like I said, it'll stay in tune. It's it actually sounds pretty fucking great. Nice. Well, <laughs> and it's pretty reasonable. So. And, and again, it's it's about finding something that makes your workflow easier. Yeah. Think of gear in your studio. It's almost like Star Trek teleportation. You want it to get you to where you're going quicker with the results you're looking for. You know, so you want that drum sound, that warm, big good sounding drum kit sound and you've got the mics up and everything else, you don't want to spend six days figuring out how to get this to work. No. You want to be almost like plug and play. After you've played with your gear enough, you want to be able to go click power on, let things warm up, get things set up, put the mics in good spots and start working. That's what you want to do. And I found that like a lot of the instant expert guys are too hung up on whether or not, oh, you got Behringer in there, man. Oh, that's that's no good. Uh, oh, you know, uh, well, I, like I said, I just bought this yesterday and now I'm a producer. So uh, like your year recording suck. And I'm all you're always going to deal with guys that think that they know more than you. And it's funny because we have an interview coming up in a few weeks with Caroline Brooks where we talk about and I pose the question yeah. about why there aren't as many women producers and one of her responses, which we'll leave it up to you, but it seems like men go in the studio, they see how it works once and suddenly they're Eddie Kramer, you know, (laughs) I'm Bob Ezrin. And that's it. I'm Bob Ezrin. Oh, Hey, look at me. I'm, you know, and that instant expert comes in. It's like, Oh, well I've, I've done this once. I'm, I'm gold. I'm done. We're, we're finished. We're good. We're good. Let me do this. I can do this because I've seen it happen once before. Yeah, would you want your doctor who's taking your appendix out to go like, oh, I saw this happen once. I'm good. Yeah, man. Knock, <laughs> knock him out. Pass me the butter knife. Let's get this done. I saw I saw how to do this on YouTube. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh God. <laughs> like, hang on. Hang on. Hold on. I just got to pause it for a second. Uh, that artery. Oh. Shit. You call that I'm, an a, okay. You call that an appendix? Seriously, dude? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> totally. Wow. Oh wait, that's your spleen. I'm sorry. 
The appendix is on the left side, right? No, it's on the right side. No, wait, it's from the. Oh, hang on, it's close to your. It's in your left cheek, right? Yes. Yeah, it's so, like when you flip the camera on your phone, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Does that is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's it's it, uh, anyway. So we're right. We're right about this, guys. <laughs> Listen to us. Come on. Come Who are on. Those instant experts. Come on, guy. <laughs> Come on. I just learned how to podcast yesterday. Come on, guy. Yeah, I know. Episode number nine. We're just figuring this out now. I'm so <laughs> smart. <laughs> yeah, we're, we are grouchy motherfuckers. And everybody knows. Everyone should know that by now. Like, if you're, in, if you're getting into this now and just realizing we're grouchy bastards, well, sorry. <laughs> you should know that by now. Yeah, way to stay um, on top of things, you know. Speaking of being experts, we should probably like throw in a couple studio tips because we haven't done that in a while. Okay, so does this fall under the you want to do what now, or does this what studio tip is under your cap? Well, this yeah, moment, this Adam should person? be. I think this should be definitely a you want to do what now kind of moment. You want to do what now? Yeah, I mean, you know, we started doing that, and we kind of haven't done that in a while. And you know, there's there's a few things that have happened in our world that I think we could talk about that are easy studio tips that people can do. Rock me, Amadeus. Rock me. Well, one of the things actually, and we will post to our Facebook and Instagram and website and all those good things. And by the way, go follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and check out our website. Uh, One of the things that uh, I've done recently at my studio, because yeah, we're home studio guys and we have limited space, is I made a folding rolling trap wall and for those of you that don't know what a trap is it's a big rectangle of wood that you stuff rock wool insulation to and then cover up with material and then hang on your walls and traps basically help things like well they they don't necessarily soundproof and i think it's a misnomer to think that you know when you create a studio that you need to totally 100 percent proof it from sound what you're trying to do is essentially create an environment where you're controlling sound and you're maybe limiting how sound is carried in certain parts of that space don't try and think that you're going to be able to totally soundproof a room it's almost impossible to do even like people with endless resources for studios have trouble with this but what traps do is they actually let you control it a little bit one of the the sort of things that you do want to control in a in a studio recording environment is bass frequencies. Bass frequencies can definitely affect how your mix turns out. You want to sometimes kind of neutralize this in certain parts of your room. So oftentimes when you go into a recording studio, you'll see these big weird panels up in the corners. <laughs> and that's because bass likes to Hang out in the corners. If you read our shitty is pretty post uh, from a couple of episodes back, that one thing that the uh, the Dap Kings guys were talking about when recording drums was you put the drummer in the corner and then you put a microphone facing the drummer pointed towards the corner and then you just raise the microphone up or down and the more you raise or lower it, the more or less bass you get from the drum. That's because corners like base anyway to my point i actually made this little trap wall and it's 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 surprisingly inexpensive to put together i actually just made it out of spare bits of lumber in the shop downstairs but it's basically eight traps 
and it transformerizes into, you could turn it into a vocal isolation booth. You could use it for isolating things like amplifiers, like if you're reamping or something like that, and you just need to sort of, because it's insulation, it will actually sort of muffle and reduce a lot of the sound. It's really handy to do. Um, and I will actually post the specs for this on our website. Free stuff, guys, cool. free stuff. Adam will show you how to build it. If you're really, really nice and you subscribe and you send us all kinds of money, maybe he'll even come to your house and build them for you. Well, <laughs> depends on where you live. But yeah, I'd consider that. You know what? Actually, making traps are a lot of fun and they're actually not that difficult to do. Mm-hmm. You know, a trap is is a couple of bucks worth of lumber, a couple of bucks worth of insulation. And for, for coverings, like uh, one sort of really cheap, Thing, uh, material that people use is burlap the shit that you have haul coffee beans around in like burlap sacks like uh-huh. you can cover it with burlap that's good one thing actually uh i've used that is inexpensive is uh gardening fabric mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it keeps it keeps the weeds from growing up in between the petunias yeah right well um, i can tell you about the gar- traps that i have in my room that my sin- significant other built for me yeah, because dude, I was, she's handy, dude. She's very handy, man. I was complaining about that. For me, it wasn't bass that was the issue because it's 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 mostly a drum room here. What I was having right. issue with was a lot of the very high frequencies that come off of cymbals. There was a there was a real snappy sound that really sort of I would say was kind of an offensive sound to the recordings that kind of made them sound. You know, like they just, they didn't, they didn't sound professional. And based on the recordings I was getting out of my old place with the same gear, it was like, this is, there's something missing here. There's a, there's just too much, too much trouble bouncing around my room. So she, she built three uh, traps for me and, you know, extra lumber, but our coverings were old, outdated bed sheets. So, you know, so it looks good. They're hanging on the wall. I can show, I'll put a picture on fa- on Facebook and Instagram too. Um, essentially, they're simple. They're just a rectangular box with rocks all stuffed into it. And then a bed sheet that's stretched over uh, all sides of it. And they're hung on the wall, sort of the same way you'd hang a picture. And yeah. they're behind my drum set. You can hang them any way you want. I mean, like I used, uh, I just basically put up L brackets Right. Just put up L brackets and then squeeze them into the brackets and then screw them into the brackets and it's done. Yeah. You know, uh, you do not have to blow the bank on these things. You can you can go online and buy them or you could just go to Home Depot <laughs> and find some old some old sheets that you're not going to use and get a staple gun. And seriously, like the, the, the trap wall that I made, I don't think cost more than one hundred and fifty bucks. And that's like. Wood, uh, that's like I got some wheels, so it rolls around, it folds out, it folds everywhere, it tucks away nicely. It's because you're fancy. You're so fancy. Fancy. It, yeah, but hey man, again, it's it's about limitations, right? Like True I enough. don't I don't have a huge space. I know you don't have a huge space. I know a lot of people who home record, they don't have the space, but they also need to create an it like this kind of goes back to what we were talking to about, you know, armchair YouTube assholes or gear snobbery. When Sun Records got started back in the 50s, when Sun Studios, yeah. I should say, got started, they literally had a tape deck and, and a microphone. Yep. Th- there was no multi-tracking. It wasn't a fucking thing. Do you know what, what made those records sound great? 
they spent time building the room. Well, <laughs> right? They made a great sounding room. That's why you go to Sun Records to record. You didn't go for the microphones. You went for the room. So honestly, like before you really invest in a microphone or in a, you know, even an expensive DAW or expensive converters or whatever, think about maybe trapping your room. Finding a way to make your room actually, like you were saying with cymbals, you might want to tame those down a bit. Or, you know, maybe you're in a situation like me where I'm on the second floor. The floor is flexible. It bends. Things, you know, sound waves move and ripple against walls. They're like little rubber bullets that fire all over the place. Well, trapping helps sort of control those and focus those so that you can actually get a good sounding mix. It keeps those rubber bullets firing in the right direction. That's what you want to do. So yeah, focus on traps. And it's cheap and easy to make. And it's fun. And you can bring the kids into the shop. And they can give them a staple gun and put it together. It's awesome. It's family day. Well, there you go. <laughs> and and, and <clears throat> the thing is, is that it's like you said, and this goes back to our previous uh, discussion. It's all about improving your workflow. So if you like in my case, I found that I was fighting like anything above 10 K was just there and brittle and terrible, you know? Right. And I'm trying to pull it out. But at the same time, when you start pulling out frequencies in your mixes, all of a sudden some of the air disappears. And then it's like, yeah. Oh man, I didn't have this problem at my other place. What was, what was at my other place? Well, a carpeted floor. And I had, uh, yeah. you know, I had a tiled ceiling and I had, uh, you know, blah, blah. and it's like, Oh, wait a second. Okay. So I need to do something to get rid of that sibilancy sound that's coming off of my cymbals despite you know okay so there's i know right now there's an expert going oh well you should have used darker sounding cymbals dude i've got dark sounding cymbals too those dark sounding (laughs) cymbals were also creating their own plethora of annoying frequencies so yeah you know hanging these things up it was like i don't know it was leftover lumber from some other project that we had leftover insulation from something that we were tucking insulation into she said here i made you these hung them up they look amazing they look great uh i I had rehearsals with uh bands after that and people would come and say man where'd you get those oh talk to my girlfriend upstairs she made them you know And I started noticing all of a sudden, you know, when I start moving my mics around the room and start setting up the positions that I like for the drums, all of a sudden it's like, uh, there's the sounds of the drums without that brittle, crunchy high end. All of a sudden, it's just like some, somebody came along and instead of having stucco, someone came along and just smoothed that away. And now I just have beautiful plaster. Was it? Speaking of like Sun Records, I think what was it that the John Cougar Mellencamp album from a few years ago where they went back yeah. to the the original Sun Studios? Yeah, that album's T- unreal. T Bone Burnett. Yeah, yeah, I think it's T Bone Burnett who was recording that, and well, because that was done in the way that Sun Records did all of their records back then, literally a microphone in the room. Yeah, with you know a reel to reel tape recorder recording it. There was no multi tracking. It was live off the floor. That is a fascinating record, and it was a record that I absolutely fell in love with when it came out. Because uh, what's the name of it again? It's uh, uh, no better than this. No better than this, and yeah, that's right. It's 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 an album in a sense that is it's amazing because it's probably the only album ever released in the twenty first century that does not credit a mixer because nobody mixed it. <laughs> 
because you can't. Right. <laughs> it's a mono microphone recording everything. The whole album is in mono, and it's all yeah. about where that mic is placed and where everyone's lined up. And they even talked about recording some of the songs in Sun Studios where there were X's on the floor, like Elvis stood here, uh, Scotty stood here, the bass player stood here, the drummer was here, you know? Yeah. And so that they said, well, worked for them. Let's do it with us. And they did the same right. thing and got great results. There's also a song on there that they recorded in a room that Robert Johnson had recorded in. And because the at the time, the microphone then, when Robert Johnson recorded, it's a hotel room in, I believe, Dallas. You know, if I ran right. if I ran over to my record collection and ripped it out right now, I'd be able to look at it. But they ended up using the corner because he recorded into a mic into a corner. And the idea was to get sort of right. a natural reverberation as it because they're using a, a, a ribbon mic that has a figure eight pattern. And, you know, the corner is going to bounce stuff around and give you a little bit more openness in the sound. So John Cougar is, or so John Cougar, John Mellencamp is playing guitar and singing, and behind him is a violinist. So the two of them are playing, and it's cool. It's such a cool recording. And as John Mellencamp said, wow, what a corner of that room that is. You know, again, one microphone, one tape deck. No mixing, no nothing, no prettification afterwards. No, like, and it well, sounds incredible. It's a great it sounding incredible. recording. I've never heard yeah. mono sound so big in my whole life. It sounds brilliant. It's and it's one of my favorite records. And you know, maybe we can post a link on our site to go because you should go buy it. You should and I think it's a good example of like where focus on equipment kind of flies out the window like because yeah. really that those recordings those kinds of recordings really are about creating a space right it does it doesn't it it, it almost matters nothing yeah. what microphone gets used in a situation like that it really is about capturing space where you are and how you're in, like going back to it things like traps or diffusers or you know little things that are actually easy to make and easy to put up or even like you said dude just I've got carpets all over my floor, man. Like it's the only time I'll ever go carpet crazy is in my studio just because it tends to sort of, like you said, sort of tamp down the things that you don't want while making things sound great. And dude, there, there ain't no fucking sun studios plugin. It's not a thing. There's, there's no plugin that can make you sound like that. There's no plugin that'll make you sound good it really is capturing the space so it disappoints me how much time in my youth was spent going oh, i wish i'd had that i wish i had this i wish like it's a fucking trap it's a total trap getting sucked <laughs> into this idea that you know oh i absolutely must have to have this to make a decent recording uh 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 I I admit I wasted a lot of my time doing that and you do wind up eventually as you get older and grumpier discovering that actually oh I actually have a lot of things that are really great that I haven't really utilized <laughs> I've underutilized them while complaining that I don't have the things that I can't utilize anyway cuz I don't have the fucking money You know what's funny though Adam is for me in my youth I was usually happier with whatever I currently had. So for instance, for the longest time, I had this uh, bottom of the line set of Yamahas that I had bought in 86 
and the only reason I bought them was first of all, I knew Yamaha was good. They were good drums. They're all they're great drums, but they were the only drums in the drum shop that wasn't black, white, or stainless steel colored. <laughs> so I saw them. They were burgundy, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Let's see what these sound like." Played them. They sounded great. Okay, bought them. Took them home. Ended up using them on everything for the next. 15 years okay these are drums that you bought yeah based on the label tim well well <laughs> actually it wasn't even the label it was more the color that made me go you know so they sounded great and then i bought a set of cymbals when i was touring when i was going through germany with john i bought a set of peisty cymbals because i'd always wanted them and i found out when i was in then west germany they were making them there so i was i was excited so i bought a set of cymbals but i can tell you that that drum set I, you know, I wasn't pouring through the magazines going, oh, I really need another riot symbol. You know, the only thing that actually would turn me on when I went into symbol shops, I'd go in and they would have gongs. I'd be like, oh, I'll never be able to afford one of these. They would have a peisty gong and I would just, I'd go in, I'd ask for the mallet and I'd play it and I'd be like... (laughs) Maybe someday, you know, and, but that was the only, I had, but the thing is, is maybe, maybe I, I don't know. I didn't know anything then and I don't know anything now, but back, (laughs) back, but back then I was not hung up on my stuff, you know? And then I fell down the rabbit hole in the early two thousands of, so did you know there are more than just three or four lines of peisty symbols? Wait, what? What? There's stuff I can buy? You know, suddenly I have some disposable income and I'm obsessing. Again, I'm dancing about architecture. I'm saying, oh, well, I need this ride symbol for that song and I'm going to use this one on that song. Forgetting that in my reckless youth, I use the same fucking ride symbol on everything and not one engineer yep. complained not one band said do you have something that's maybe a little better you know <laughs> nobody said that i had a ride a crash a china a set of hats a drum kit and everybody said cool welcome to yeah. our band well and you know what you liked it it worked for you i was very so- happy with it yeah, like who who's to complain at that point? Like, you know, the only one who should be complaining would be Tim, and Tim wasn't complaining about it. So oh, And that's it, right? So Yeah. Don't fall down the rabbit hole. There are loads of famous recordings out there in the world where everyone has asked, Oh, how did you get that sound? And you know what, man? A lot of times the engineer is, you know, standing there going, I will never tell. And behind his back, he's got some $200 Behringer compressor that he's like, you know, rubbing gently with this, with a, with a cloth, you yeah. know, like it, 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 that's his secret, but he's never going to tell. And it's always something like that. Yeah. Maybe it does something super specific, but never look at something that maybe sort of quote unquote cheap or inexpensive and, and rule it out. Exactly. There's something if if you're if you've got a creative mind, you'll make it work. You'll find something to make it work. I don't know, man. That pff, hot damn, dude. I think this is where a song comes in right here. Audible Brutality is presented by Adam Percy and Tim Vandeven and recorded remotely on Denman Island, British Columbia, and in Saint Jerome, Quebec. 
Music submissions or general inquiries can be made through our website at audiblebrutality.com. Give us a like on Facebook or Instagram. And of course, if you haven't yet, subscribe to the Audible Brutality Podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Thanks for listening.